Hello, friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast with Kurt Skelly. We are here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. And we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. Right now, we're studying the book of Revelation in a series called The End is the Beginning. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my friends. Appreciate you joining us today for yet another episode of Everyday Truth. Uh, if you are watching, uh, by the way, uh, I'd love to uh, have you just add where you're from in the comment section. Let me know that you're watching. Many of you do that every day. And it's a blessing for me to go back and see who's watching and where you're watching from. And I know that many of you don't do that, but if you would be willing to do that from time to time, that's a blessing. And then for all of you, and there's many more of you that are listening either on radio or uh, just audio podcast, if you wouldn't mind uh, taking some time and leaving a review on your podcast platform, uh, that would be a blessing. Uh, that would help drive traffic to Everyday Truths. And our goal, as always, is just to get as many people as possible in the Word of God every day. We believe the Word of God changes lives. And we believe that we need a dose of God's Word every single day. So if you'd be willing to maybe leave a review or a comment, uh, that would help along those lines. And I sure, I sure do appreciate your faithfulness. Uh, we're in a brand new chapter today, Revelation chapter 3. We're talking about these seven churches of Asia Minor, real churches that uh, had some real issues uh, to whom Jesus wrote. And every letter is, is given by Jesus through John to these churches. And in every situation, the Lord has something that he commends them for, except for one or two. Uh, but uh, then he has some things he needs to challenge them with and some things that, that they're doing wrong, that they need to be confronted by. And so the Lord does the same thing for us, by the way. He, his word affirms uh, us when we're behaving and, and following him and having the right kind of motives and priorities. And the Word of God also uh, cuts in painful ways sometimes to expose sin in our lives. But ultimately, the purpose of the Word of God and the purpose of Jesus using the Word of God in our life is always for our good and for His glory. So we must keep that in mind as well. Revelation chapter 3, and look please if you would at verse number 1, where the Bible says, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write... So that's the church about which we'll speak today, Sardis. So Sardis, uh, obviously one of the seven churches of Asia Minor, was really known as a, a city of immorality and ease. It was known for its money. It was known as a place of prosperity. Uh, there, there really isn't any reference to persecution uh, in the letter to the church at Sardis. Why? Because these people probably were not under any grave persecution. Uh, they were kind of on easy street. The people in the city, people went to Sardis because it was an easy place to live. It was well protected. Uh, it was up on some cliffs. And so in history, it was always thought to be a place that would be very difficult to uh, take over, to, uh, to attack. Although what's ironic about that is because of their position, 
because of their great geographical location, uh, they fail to be watchful. And you're going to see that in this letter. Even the church uh, failed to be watchful. And so like in the 500s BC, King Cyrus of Persia was able to take over that city because the people were so confident in their physical defenses that they weren't watchful. And the soldiers of Persia were able to scale the cliffs when they found a secret pathway. It's an interesting story. And what's really ironic is 300 years later, when the Greeks overtook that same city uh, under Antiochus, they did the same thing. And so it just seems like the people of Sardis got lulled into sleep by their prosperity and by their perceived protection. And how often does that happen to us when we just think, hey, I don't need anything. I'm fine. I don't need the word of God. I, I'm good. I don't need the Lord. I don't need to pray about my daily bread. I've got a full refrigerator. I, You know, it sounds a lot like the United States of America. Now, I know that you might not think that you're prosperous, but can I just tell you, by world's standards, those of us that live in the Western world, we are just filthy rich by world's standards. And so we are prosperous. And if we're not careful, that prosperity will make us forget about the Lord. That prosperity will make us not trust the Lord and not seek the Lord. And prosperity often goes with um, other sins as well. So immorality, for instance, is prevalent in areas of prosperity. Why? Because people have too much time on their hands and people have money and people have ease and people seek pleasure. And that's exactly what happened in Sardis. It was a place of prosperity and a place of immorality. Boy, you put those two things together and you have a very dangerous place. Uh, spiritually, and that was Sardis. So what does the Lord have to say to a city like this? And even more specifically, what does the Lord have to say to us? So look at it. Uh, Revelation chapter three and verse one. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things saith he that hath the seven spirits Seven, of course, the number of perfection and completion. This is a reference to the Holy Spirit. Hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Remember, we already identify the stars as the pastors of the churches. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Okay, so how does Jesus introduce himself to this church? Well, he introduces himself as he that hath the seven spirits. So understand that when we think about the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we're thinking about three persons in one God, all of whom, each of whom are co-equal and co-eternal. So for instance, Jesus, when he became a man, the incarnation, lived on planet Earth, the Bible says, was completely controlled by the Holy Spirit. So the point is not that Jesus ceased to be God when he came to earth. He did not. He was all God and all man. We call that the hypostatic union. But in part, Jesus lived as a spirit-filled man as a benefit of example to you and me, that we too can have access to the Holy Spirit of God, who indeed lives inside of us 
Paul taught us that in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 18, and we too can be controlled by and powered by the Spirit of God who lives inside of us. So the Lord comes to this church in the power of the Holy Spirit as one that has authority over these pastors, and he says, I speak with authority and I speak with spiritual accuracy when I tell you this. Okay, so what does Jesus tell them? Well, look at the end of verse number one. I know thy works, we've seen this before, that thou hast a name. So the word name in the Bible would speak to one's reputation. Thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. So you appear to be one thing, but you're actually another thing. You appear to be so alive. That's your reputation. Boy, that church has got it going on. That church is busy, busy, busy. That church has all of the indicators of life. Wow, what a lively bunch they are. But Jesus' assessment is, and it's an accurate assessment, obviously, is, but you're really dead. You look so good, but in essence, you are so dead. You know, I think sometimes we make the mistake of looking at a church and assuming that it's alive because of all of its activity. My uh, mother-in-law grew up in Puerto Rico, and she's with the Lord right now, but Wanda used to tell the story about how they would go out in the yard and grab a chicken. And she'd take that chicken and Uh, You might want to turn your head away if you're squeamish right now and take that chicken and grab the chicken by the neck and and twist that neck until you pulled the head off. And then that chicken had all those nerve endings and the chicken would flop around and run around. Have you ever heard that statement? Running around like a chicken with its head cut off. Um, Now, was the chicken alive? No, it had been separated from its head but it still had all the frenetic activity of life because of those nerve endings. The Lord said, this church looks frenetic in its activity. This church looks like it's so alive and vibrant, but really it's dead. I wonder if the Lord would say that about me. I wonder if the Lord would say that about my church. Busyness does not equate to godliness. Now, I'm not saying that godliness shouldn't make us busy and that we should be working for the Lord. We certainly should. Jesus himself said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And the writer of Proverbs had much to say about not being a sluggard. So I'm certainly not justifying laziness. But the point here is Jesus said, you have all of the signs of spirituality and life, but in essence, you are dead. Have you ever been to a funeral? And and this is going to be a little bit morbid right now, but follow the illustration. And you look at the person in the coffin and they look better than you've seen them in a long time, right? Maybe the last time you saw them, they were wasting away in a hospital bed or struggling with sickness, but now they're in a nice suit of clothes and they've been made up just right by the funeral director and they look so good. As a matter of fact, people will even say, oh, she looks so good, or he looks, don't say that when you walk by my coffin, by the way. Uh, boy, she looks so good, he looks so good. The point is, yeah, he might look good, she might look better than she's looked in a long time, but she's dead. 
And the point here in Revelation chapter 3 is this church looked good. It had a reputation, but it was dead. Now, watch what the Bible says specifically now in verse number 2. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Okay, so which is it? Is it, are they dead or are they ready to die? I think in in verse number one, uh, Jesus speaks for shock value. Listen, you all are dead. Have you ever had somebody say, man, that, that church is dead. I went to that church, it's dead. Now, do you mean that every part of that church is dead and that nobody in that church is saved and that nothing ever good could ever happen there? No, you're not saying that. You're making a general assessment Uh, to say that that church is in really dire straits. And that's what's happening here in Revelation chapter 3. Hey, you look like you're alive, but you're really dead. But now let's get specific, okay? You're really on death row, or uh, to use this illustration, you're really in the ICU critical care unit would be a better illustration because watch what it says in verse number two, be watchful. So one of the reasons why you are in such bad spiritual health is because you're not aware. You're not paying attention to your spiritual diet. You're not watchful. You're not paying attention to your spiritual enemies. Just like the city of Sardis did not pay attention when the Persians took over in 549 BC, or just like the the place of Sardis, the city of Sardis did not pay attention when the Greeks under Antiochus took over in 214 BC. So the church at Sardis is not paying attention. They're not being watchful. That, that's why in scripture, you see that, that term watchfulness so often reiterated. Uh, Jesus said, watch and pray. Uh, Peter said, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And we need to, as believers, understand that we live in a real world with real temptation, with real enemies. And if we're not watchful, that enemy is going to have ingress into our lives and destroy us. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, church at Sardis, you're struggling because you're just, you've lulled yourself to sleep. In all of your prosperity, you've forgotten about me. In all of your immorality, you've become dull to spiritual truths. And you need to be watchful. Why? Because you are on death's door. Look at what it says again in verse number two. Be watchful, strengthen the things which remain. Hey, there's much about you that has died. There's much about you that has fallen into disuse and misuse, okay? But strengthen what remains. Uh, Begin to work out again. Begin to eat right food. Begin to build yourself back. Take some baby steps. Get into spiritual rehab. Uh, make it your business right now to begin that long road, that long journey back. Strengthen what remains. Then the Bible says that are ready to die. Because if you don't get busy today, if you don't start, if you don't repent and begin the the painful process of rehab today, uh, there are muscle groups that will forever fall into atrophy. Uh, There are parts of your body that might never recover. Boy, now is the time. Take advantage of today. Then the Bible says in verse two, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. 
So remember, they have a name that they're alive. Verse number one, but what Jesus says, but the works that you are doing are works that are not perfect before God. Uh, It might be the right activity. They might be having the right program. They might be having all the services. They might be having good attendance. They might be busy, busy, busy in the work, but their works are not perfect before God. Why? Because Jesus examines the sort of our works. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where the Bible talks about uh, our works being tried at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Well, what the Bible makes clear there is that our works are going to be tried not just for the work itself, but for what sort it is. Why did I do what I did? What was my incentive? What's down deep on the inside of me? God looks at not just the what, but he looks at the why. And the church at Sardis was not struggling with the what. Oh, they had a name that they were alive. If you went to that church and visited, you would say, wow, that church has it going on. They're so busy. But if you stayed longer, you would see, yeah, but they're pretty worldly. And they have uh, this whole threat of immorality. Uh, They're pretty soft on sin. They're pretty prosperous uh, physically. I mean, they've got big offerings, but, but when you look at their motive from the inside out, it really doesn't look as good as what you initially might have thought. And that's what the Bible's teaching in Revelation chapter three and verse two. Wow. I just looked at my watch and we are out of time. So we're going to stop there for now. I I intended to get a little bit farther, uh, but we'll uh, see if we can finish this up uh, next episode. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, You're such a blessing. Appreciate your faithfulness. Uh, Have a great day today in the Lord, and we will see you next episode. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.